Welcome to True Vine Talks with Rachel and Linda. How you doing? I'm doing good. We're feeling a little anxious about the topic today, aren't we? Yeah, I apologize. If anyone's watching the video, I had a my JLo wig on last night for Halloween party. <laughs> Getting my groove in. Nice. It's good to so, have fun. Oh, fun times. And Charlie was Pitbull and I was J-Lo and we, we did our dance together, you know? Nice. And that's, that, that leads into our topic today is how do couples, how do partners dance together? Yeah. And when we dance together, we don't step on each other's toes. You know, when Charlie try to be in sync, just move. Yeah. 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 So we got to try to get a rhythm together, you know, do a little jiggy, get jiggy with it, you know. No, 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 Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was fun, you know, and couples need to have fun together and today's topic is what no one wants to talk about the grand topic of sex yeah man that is a what do you think Rachel I think it creates a lot of conflict in relationships and a lot of insecurity for individuals mm -hmm. I see it over and over again mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the culture, like Dr. Sue Johnson, our mentor, has taught us is that, you know, it's the um, mission impossible, the James Bond having the overnight stay with the lady. Every move, it's a different lady, and it's just, you know, hot and sexy and, you know, romantic and intimate, and then, then they're done, and bye. So, she mentions that I think that's in love sense. Oh, okay. I think it I don't know. I've read so much. I don't know. So how does that message that the one night stand or sex is an act of just, you know, pleasure and that's it? How does that what do you think that does for society as a whole or folks or partners? Just hmm. I'm really thinking about this. Please take your time. Yeah, thanks. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's such a good question. And even though I was aware that that is how it's kind of portrayed a lot in media. Yeah. I, yeah, I've never directly been asked how I think that influences society and how we view it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a pause is good sometimes, you know. And I've watched other interviewees um, with Oprah Winfrey, too. I'm like, wow, they just took a moment to collect. I like it. Yeah. I think that it portrays sexuality as something very sporadic and impulsive and like you said, kind of just like purely pleasure seeking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's and it's gratification quick mm -hmm. instant gratification for folks mm -hmm. like well i mean the message it seems like that's the message and you know certainly the act of sex is very good for serotonin you know in the brain the release of the good mood stabilizers natural and it is supposed to be good so but you know when we process that and it you know why it's hard to talk about is there's a lot of negative messaging from you know society as a whole when we look at the whole picture as far as like religious goes like you know growing up you know i was just abstinence 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 sex is bad from you know from a religious perspective that was my experience but <clears throat> no one said why <laughs> no one really it was just because it was bad yeah that was the why yeah why is it bad i would always know right? like it was it was just sinful and Very bad. Sinful. yeah don't do it and as a young person, what happens? You're like, well, why is it bad? Because my hormones are raging. You would think that would be a good thing. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Self-discipline was yeah. seen as like good and praiseworthy, mm -hmm. right? You were like fighting evil. The more self-disciplined and you were right yeah good point Rachel yeah like self-control yeah godliness <clears throat> I'm losing my voice because I was singing too I guess Last time. nice yes holding it out and so you can't lose control mm-hmm there's no, you got to be very uh, guarded with your body and protective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's very, um, it's very good. It's, and, and I, I appreciate that part too. I appreciate that you're protecting your temple and being self-control. I, I, I believe in it and I appreciate that. And I also recognize the human side is we are sexual beings. And God put us here to procreate. So when did shame show up like around our bodies? This is this is where I think it gets interesting from a theological perspective. And my my thinking is like an experiencing of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both agree that it's the Garden of Eden story. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and can I share a little bit about that? Would that be please do? Yes, I'd love you to. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Um, so when she's in the garden and you know she's looking at the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and God said, Hey, no, we don't eat that tree, but here's the fruit of life on this tree of life. You can eat this tree, drink of this tree. And the serpent, 
the devil, the enemy of humanity, creeps in there and slithers and says, did God really say you can't eat of that? He just doesn't want you to be like him. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, Adam and Eve didn't have shame around their bodies. And our body is a sexual organ, is it not? Yeah. So once she eats of that apple, her eyes are open. She becomes aware that she's naked. Yep. And how vulnerable is it to be naked? Extremely. You're completely exposed. All them stretch marks, any veins, any... Mm, that's all out there, man. Will the other person reject me if they see me naked? They might. They might not like what they see. So when she ate of that tree or that apple, her and Adam went and made some fig leaves. And as the story goes, they, you know, as I understand it, they hid their parts, their sexual parts. And for me, I think that's where shame showed up with sex. What do you think? I would agree. Yeah. Because before that, did they have, did they feel ugly? Did she think her butt wasn't big enough? Did she think her, did she think that her arms weren't small enough? I mean, if you think about that image stuff, like, Which is really intense today, right? With all of the media, we've got all these Instagram influencers and models. And I mean, we're just seeing yeah. lots and lots of images on the, you know, for males and females, right? The physique and. Right. Work how out. in quotes, how in, you know, in quotation marks, we should look, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so it's it's that shame that the messaging from our culture the social media like you're saying you're not good enough yeah. your body is not beautiful you aren't worthy of sex mm. I think that plays into yeah. I didn't grow up with social media, but I think it plays into our current generation of youth, you know? So what happens for folks when they, you know, they feel naked, they feel, will this person want me? Yeah, all this shame, right? All this shame shows up. Shame. What do we do when we feel shame? Want to hide. hide. Yeah. Withdraw and hide. Well, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go in our little turtle shell. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So societal shame, right? I'm doing something wrong and bad. 
I'm engaging in a, a shameful behavior. Then, but then there's also the um, like self-esteem and uh, body insecurities, right? Is I'm, I'm going to be completely seen and what if, yeah. you know, my partner doesn't like what they see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how we're giving space for this right now. I think that it's just totally taken a new direction from when we prior to coming on to live or not live, but recording. Yeah. So I think shame might be the emotion that prevents um, bonding. I think so. I think when I'm working with people, that tends to always be what comes up. Is it because we compare ourselves to the Instagram models or is it because we already felt insecure because the garden? I don't know if this answers the question, but I think that what I'm learning as a therapist is that the majority of us humans have an inner longing to be good. We really do. We long to be good and worthy and lovable. And sex is a really confusing area when we have this longing because we're given so many different messages about it and it holds so much moral value for so many people. Am I still good if I engage in this behavior? Do I look good enough to be desired? I long to be desired, but am I good enough for someone to desire me? Well stated, Rachel. You brought, that is so poignant and powerful what you said. You know, I, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's good. So what you're realizing is that folks really long to be good and pure. We all want to be pre-fall. We want to eat of just the tree of life. And we have that in us. But then there's sex over here. And somehow that got put in the distortion. Mm-hmm. the view of self Mm, that's good yeah so how do we help our our couples and you know folks that come to us we're you know we're talking about the you know how we're gonna well I think what she you read you want to tell us what the book is that you've been reading that asks the question let me um bring it up because I want to make sure I I, uh, give credit to the authors and everything. Absolutely. So yeah, just wanting to help people. So um, the, the book title is Wanting Sex Again, How to Rediscover Your Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage. And the author is Lori J. Watson. And I found this book on the um, George Fowler and Lori's podcast, so webpage, which is Foreplay Radio, I believe. Very good. 
Love that. Yeah. And so uh, she talks a lot uh, in the book about uh, shame around sex and how uh, women specifically are told to be, you know, like a lady on the street, freak in the street, right? Like we're doing, Ooh, right? How, it's that. just like this very, we, we get conflicting messages, right? Be sexy, but don't show too much skin. Like, you know, a lot of very conflicting messages growing up. Uh, but she suggests that people think about if they're struggling with sexuality, you know, what were some of the overt and covert messages about sexuality that you received growing up in childhood, right? So what were you directly told about sex, intimacy, and sexuality? And what were you maybe not directly told, but it was kind of this unspoken rule, so to speak, or it was something that you observed? Yes. That's, that's a good question. What were the direct messages? Well, to answer this question, I would say, don't have sex. <laughs> abstinence, abstinence, abstinence. Yeah. Okay, why? That'd be my question. I was always protesting and questioning adults and authority from a young age because for lots of reasons. So, you know, don't, don't do that okay how come no good explanation just don't do that you don't want to get pregnant before you're married blah 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 blah. you're getting an std da, 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 da. okay sure and then it's like at home i the it, it was very acceptable between father and mother to have sex could hear that okay that's great the other part is they argued all the time confusing chaotic attachment style so that was the what she say the secretive part of it was the the confusion around that so mm -hmm. um that would be my answers to that for me personally i don't know how other folks would uh -huh. you can say well once i'm married i'm gonna just be we're breaking the bed but then it's like that message mm. is like back here it's hard right to change this these beliefs that you grew up with for decades sometimes right appalachian bible belt is where yeah. you grew up. it's hard to just flip yeah. a switch and be like oh it's okay now it's not gross anymore what you're like what? <laughs> yeah and so I like that she asked that question. I'm going to definitely purchase her book and read that. It's Agreed. very good. Um, and I love the thing about emotionally focused therapy is that we bring that into the room in a very safe way when the couple is not chaotic or they're not in a negative cycle with us. Um, another you know, point we like to make is some folks find that they're in a high libido, low libido relationship. Mm -hmm. so, I'd say most, yeah, most couples, there is a difference somewhere mm -hmm. with libido. One has higher and one has lower. It seems to be pretty common. Yeah. And sometimes there are reasons for that. There could be sexual trauma, abuse that's not been worked through. There could be 
Um, there could be a physical disability there. And there's another shame. There's another shameful feeling around sex. Oh, I can't perform. Why yeah. would I do it? Yeah. For, for some women, it is painful. And for some women, it's you painful. know, like, yeah. We don't know for what reasons, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, maybe they're made oh. different. Maybe there needs to be more conversation about how to make that comfortable for them. Yeah. A lot of folks uh, with certain, um, you know, mental health struggles, libido kind of lowers or medication can lower libido. So there's a lot of reasons uh, for understanding that. Yeah. So we'll often find the anxious pursuer of sex in which I think George Fowler tells us that sometimes it's not the same cycle as it is in sex. So that's interesting. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You were going to share more about Oh, that. I was going to say, um, yeah. So the person typically what we see is that the person with the higher uh, libido, the higher sex drive um, is pursuing sex. And when the partner is not in the mood, right. Shuts them down. Uh, they feel rejected. Yeah. They feel like they're not desired. They worry that they might not be attractive to their partner anymore. Uh, lots of fears surface. It yeah, feels, are you, it's very hurtful. You're right. Well stated. Or are you getting this from somewhere else? Oh, yeah. That's another fear. Yeah. What if they're having an affair? Yeah. And it's across the board. People will be like, well, I worry more about my husband. I'm like, no, in most partners, the fear that someone else is going to be more attractive, let's get real, the fear that someone else might be more attractive, more vivacious to that partner, that's always, I think that's another thing that's in the background when couples try to come together like, well, yeah, I didn't work out this week, maybe I don't look so good, I gained a couple pounds because I ate that Halloween candy, you know. There's all this stuff showing up in sex that people don't, it's just what, what she said in the book about this, there's a covert inner dialogue happening in the background Mm -hmm. trying to be intimate that people don't, they don't name it, the payment. Yeah, that gets in the way. And so in the feeling rejected and hurt, sometimes uh, people become angry and lash out. Yeah. Or passive aggressive. They're storming around, slamming doors. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So, uh, and so then, you know, as a result of that, um, the partner that is not interested in engaging in sex uh, can sometimes feel like that's all their partner wants from them. They kind of, they feel objectified. They feel, um, like there's something wrong with them a lot of times. Why don't I want this as much as my partner does, right? They kind of feel like there's something that's like broken or wrong with them. Um, What else, Linda? It's it's hurtful for both parties. Yeah. Yeah, I love how you're, the language around that, Rachel. Yeah, it's like, oh, I just feel like I'm not performing on their level so 
there must be something wrong with me. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go away. Or, you know, if you're the one that's pursuing sex, you're like, well, I've tried to, I guess I'm just not desirable or they don't find me attractive. So I might as well just quit and just, you know, go sit in yeah. the corner. Or they know how important it is uh, for their partner that maybe like, you know, that physical touch is a love language of mm -hmm. their partners. And so then there becomes so much pressure around sex that they're not able to relax. They're so anxious, mm -hmm. right? That it doesn't go well when they try. Uh, and, and so they just avoid trying because it's too anxiety provoking, right? It feels like if I'm not able to get this right for my partner, then they're going to be so disappointed. Mm. Yeah, you're right. So, so how do we help the, um, having those difficult conversations around what you just shared is like, how do we help the couple to name entertainment? What yeah. might be helpful? our couples to, to kind of get a, an understanding of all the things you and I just talked about that's happening in the room yeah the intimate there's all this stuff yeah it's helping couples learn how to accept and validate what the other person is thinking and feeling around the the topic of sex mm. right and I think the first thing that people uh, struggle with learning is that in, just to accept and validate what your partner is thinking or feeling, you don't have to agree with them, right? Exactly. You, you don't have to necessarily apologize for anything either. It's not, you're not saying, yes, you're right. I'm so wrong and bad, right? That's right. not what validating and accepting what someone thinks or feels. It's just saying you think and feel this way okay yes that is true that you think and feel this way right this yeah. is your inner experience right mm -hmm. that's the first step right and then the second is trying to put yourself in their shoes which can be difficult right if i was interpreting my life this way, if mm -hmm. I was thinking and feeling this way, that would be terrible. That would be really hurtful or that would be really scary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like it would be hurtful and scary to feel shame around this act. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to say that to your partner, like, Oh wow, they get it. They understand that I'm I'm struggling here. I want to be present. I want to be hot and sexy for my man or you know, woman, you know, whatever. That but something is there's a block there. We need to process the block. It's not that I don't want you. It's not that I don't care. It's that I ate too much chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm feeling frumpy today. I'm feeling some kind of way about myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have to be honest about those things and like, hey, why? Well, then your partner might say, well, hey, I'm not feeling so sexy either. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. yeah. All right, good. Okay, but we still want to be intimate. How can we get there? Let's do that. Yeah. 
Is that helpful? Ms. Very Blake? helpful, right? So once we can understand each person's point of view, then we can begin to express needs. This is what I need in order to feel more in the mood, feel more safe and secure. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And remember, we're not talking about couples that are in distress right now. We're talking about right. conversation way down the road. This is like conversation six or seven, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> Based on the uh, seven conversations podcasts that we've done before. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys allowing us to talk about this topic with, you know, delicacy, safety, and professionalism, but also being allowing us, Rachel and I, to be open and honest about these conversations. Yes. So, yeah. Anything else, Miss Rachel, you want to share before we go? I don't think so. Well, thank I you for good. us. And if you're in need of therapy, Miss Caitlin has openings for telehealth. And so you can check out our website, www.truebondwv. Dot com. That's a lot to say. It is, isn't it? <laughs> we appreciate you guys for yes. listening to us. Thank you. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.